Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Ask a Lawyer. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me, of course, is Oklahoma Indian Legal Services Executive Director, Stephanie Hudson. Hey, Stephanie. Okay, so there's a couple of things that have been in the news lately, and I guess um, the defund the police movement is not new. Um, And I think that I don't like that terminology, first of all. I don't I get what they're trying to say and I even support what they're trying to do but I I think that verbiage has worked against them but but let's talk about that issue at its core um the the issue I want to talk about today is secondary victimization sure and what that is is when a survivor gets um how shall I say, further, further attacked by, by someone who isn't their primary attacker. For instance, uh, if you, if you survive a sexual assault and you go to the police and the police are asking you, well, how are you dressed? Well, were you asking for it? Did you go out looking for sex? You know, kind of thing. That's secondary victimization. Yeah. You know, in that secondary victimization, it comes about because Police officers are trained to, to prevent crime, to stop crime when it happens. And that's what their primary training is. And a lot of what is going on out in the community where police are called in is um, it's mental health issues mental health issues that are going on and uh, crimes against a person where they have been victimized in some way. And it would be more appropriate for a mental health counselor, for a social worker to come in and deal with somebody. Uh, You know, I've seen quite a few memes and quite a few uh, things um, you know, where, where a, a supporter of the police will post something and, you know, they'll show a, a violent crime and say, oh yeah, you want a social worker dealing with this, ha 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 ha. And, you know, that, that's not what this is about. What this is about is when either working in conjunction with police or immediately afterwards, that there should be some sort of mental health professional available to deal with some of these issues. That's what defund the police at, at its core is about, is having these other services available within the community. Um, I I think you and I both agree that one, there is just not enough funding at all, either at the federal level, the state level, or the local level that is going out and providing services, funding services to the community, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be, uh, you know, fire departments, And at the bottom of the ladder is always mental health services. So one, the the pie has shrunken to one of the little mini pies that we get (laughs) at the convenience store. And now we're all trying to uh, divide up that little mini pie like it was the nine inch pie 
from the cafeteria so i like that because somebody gets left out somebody always gets left out and you know who it's going to be probably natives and people of color right yeah 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 well you know once you start uh cutting the services back to the entire community it's it's not the natives or the hispanics or the blacks that are going to uh get the best services never never ever ever Ever. and and i i want to talk about there's there's a couple of things that i want to talk about um that that kind of bifurcate from Mm -hmm. that issue one of them is um when you look at native parents and native mental health issues when you're talking about secondary victimization or flat out victimization yeah flat out being victimized by law enforcement and I'm going to preface this especially since we are on a a show about law and lawyers like I love law enforcement I do but 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 I don't like rogue police officers no 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 I you know and and there's there there is a huge difference in a law enforcement officer that is a public servant and a police officer who is trying to uh zealously perform the work right and and that all goes back to training that, that's a whole other episode but yeah. but what I want to talk about especially oh go ahead well I was going to say and where do those rogue police officers usually wind up they wind up in the small rural communities yeah the small native communities yeah. and and so but I want to but I do want to talk about that especially native parents like if they have a, like a custody issue or something and um, Chickasha, the Chickasha Police Department is is listed as a safe, safe exchange. And um, I get that, but I, I, I don't know how this how how secondary victimization when you're talking about like native parents and like um, especially like native dads, I would think native dads would have a really hard time proving abuse mm-hmm. uh like like domestic violence abuse yeah. toward them first of all they probably wouldn't want to admit it second yeah. of all getting the police and getting law enforcement involved when it's a when it's a man being abused mm-hmm. i want to talk a little bit about that part of it and how that affects native men Mm-hmm. Uh, on that level and and I already know the answer but I want you to extrapolate are they even getting what they need because women don't so yeah. are we even prepared to do that for men too who are survivors you know uh you know let, let's start at that idea of using the police department as a safe place to exchange um I, I know i you know the 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 field that we work in uh, our our program is legal services so we get a lot of the families calling us who are having high conflict issues and the need for safe places to exchange children during custody there's a huge need for that there there is a huge need for that and um, when when attorneys 
are trying to come up with locations on where to exchange children during a custody exchange, the attorneys are automatically going to go to uh, some type of law enforcement area just because the attorneys are interacting with law enforcement, uh, you know, a lot of times on a on a day-to-day weekly basis and stuff. So it makes sense to an attorney, well, that's a safe place. But for one, my my concern is always uh, the impact on children. How how is the child? How are children going to remember their childhood if uh, mom and dad couldn't be in the same room with each other unless there was a, a police officer nearby? That that affects a child. That that is a, a victimization right there on, on children. Is um, you know I, I'm not even safe from one of my parents. And I don't know which parent um, I'm not safe from if they can't even see each other unless they know that there's a police officer there. I, I think a lot of parents don't think about that and how that how that affects their kids. They're thinking about, you know, well, I have to have a witness in order, you know, in case something goes down, I have to have a witness. And that that's usually what that exchange is about right there is that the thought that I'm going to have a witness witness in case something happens. So, you know, there, there's a victimization going on right there. The, the other thing that's going on is a lot of men of color, young men of color, they have a distrust of police officers and they have a distrust of the law enforcement system. And it, it's not a distrust that is made up. You know, they, they may have been stopped by police officers. They may have been uh, incarcerated by a police officer. And, you know, it, it could be situations that weren't really um, uh, situations that required somebody to pull them over or required an incarceration. That those may have happened just because of the fact of their age and of their color, the color of their skin. So requiring young men of color to have these visitation exchanges at police departments, it you know. You might have some young men who, who aren't going to show up for that custody exchange just because they are worried about what's going to happen. Because if somebody says just the wrong thing, you know, somebody's going to run into the police department and say, you know, I, I'm being harassed or they're threatening me or something. And who's the police officer going to believe? The woman or the man of color? They're going to probably believe the woman. And, you know, and it's just, you know, it, it seems like it's supposed to be the safe place to go for custody exchanges. But I, I think that this is an area that the tribes could really get involved in with these safe exchanges. Um, you know, you, you could have uh, a law enforcement involved, you know, on, on site or something, but there could be a safe exchange that takes place where there's social workers also involved. 
uh, you know, social workers understand how to let children know that, you know, that this is a safe place. Mom's going to drop you off. You're going to stay here and play for about 15 minutes or watch TV, watch cartoons for 15 minutes. And you and I are going to talk and kind of see how things are going. And then dad's going to come pick you up. And that, that seems like a more natural thing for kids, for, for things to happen with kids. You know, they, they go get dropped off at grandma's house and, and somebody comes and picks them up later. That's normal for, for everybody that, you know, that's just a normal thing that happens and stuff. So that, that's, you know, the idea of using police, uh, police stations as uh, pickup, drop off and pick up. I'm, I'm not really keen on that idea. Well, and okay, so I know it doesn't happen, but some Indians do do not run on Indian time. And so if you're talking to even even a young mother of color, I would think yeah. like I'm a woman of color. I don't want to go sit around in the in the police, the no. police station parking lot, you know, like because because if they're going to ask somebody, well, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I'm just exchanging like custody and, and, and you don't know if that person's going to come out and exacerbate things or, yeah. or what if they, what if they know one or the other parent, like just known in the community and they either have a personal bias against them or yeah. just like you said, have arrested them previously or had some kind of exchange or yeah. what if that officer has responded to those people's home for domestic violence issues? Yeah it's yeah. there's it's such a slippery slope it's a really slippery slope and um i i hate to you know say this but there, there are situations where there is an a uh you know an ongoing animosity between some police officers and some citizens and well you know that you know, them showing up at the police department for a custody exchange, that's just a perfect opportunity for, you know, you know, somebody with, uh, with a bad faith, you know, some, somebody who is looking for a reason to cause problem for a citizen is that, you know, standing out there and watching and, and, you know, I'm watching you. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for you to pull out of here with a busted tail light, or I'm waiting for you to, you know, not have a tag that's up to date or something. So there's better solutions. There, there's much better ways to use tax dollars rather than using law enforcement as a place for a custody exchange. That's not that's not a way to use law enforcement, I don't think. Uh, and, well, and even if there there's a, such a situation that uh, you know parent you know if, if there is one parent that is a threat to the other one, it is is exchanging custody the best time in the in that situation? Is there you know is this a situation where there needs to be supervised visitation or? or something, uh, you know, the, the, the possibility of an altercation in front of children, um, parents should be past that point when they get, when they are uh, at the point of having custody exchanges. That, that, sh that, you know, if that's a possibility, there needs to be a site where the parents don't come in contact with each other. And police can't provide that. You cannot leave a child in the police station 
for a period of time and drive away. You cannot do that. <laughs> they, I would, I would imagine they would frown upon that. And then you'd probably be in trouble. Like, Hey, Hey lady, get over here and get your kid. What are you I doing? Know, I know. That's why I said the, the tribes, this, this is a, a, a wonderful opportunity for tribes to step in and provide some type of safe exchange, some type of a um, program where children can be dropped off. And, uh, you know, if another parent is running on Indian time, you know, they're, and they're going through one of these black zones that you go through and you got no cell service and, and you say, oh my gosh, I got a flat tire and I got no cell service. And, and everybody's sitting at the police station. The police are wondering what's going on and stuff. That, that's just a recipe for disaster. But if you're at a safe location for exchange, um, you know, the social worker will be trained to know that sometimes people are late. Sometimes people are late. And then when they are there, when they do arrive, you know, the, uh, the social worker can determine, you know, is it a legitimate reason why you were late or are oh, you late because you're uh, out doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing? And, uh, you know, the social worker can help, you know, document that so that there's a, a documented, uh, you know, reason for things going on. Yeah, um, that that's really interesting. One of the one of I want to kind of shift that a little bit into the other subject that I wanted to talk about on that, and that is McGirt. Yeah. So I was I was thrilled to be able to to be asked to uh, give a presentation at a USAO at the Building Bridges and um, Diversity yeah. Conference. That's so cool. It was awesome. And and they had people asking about McGirt. And of course, me being me, I said, yeah, we're coming back to take all of it because you got it right at that point. You got it. But 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 in all seriousness, with with McGirt, it is becoming such a scapegoat for everything, for everything, every little issue that that's going wrong in the state. It's like that's because of McGirt. And it's like McGirt doesn't even have anything to do with that. <laughs> It, it, it is it, it's a scapegoat issue um yeah. now my you know my uh my canned statement on McGirt is and yeah I think you've heard it 10 billion times already my canned statement is that this is such an opportunity for the state and the federal government and tribes to work together in order to make Oklahoma an even better place for everyone. Uh, the, the, the amount of resources that the tribes can bring into Oklahoma can make Oklahoma a better place for all citizens of Oklahoma, whether you're Indian or white or black or Hispanic or Asian. Uh, if, if you are living within one of the reservations in Oklahoma, you are benefiting from the resources that the tribe brings into into that reservation. So uh, the, the idea that McGirt is causing a multitude of problems, uh, that's just a dog whistle. That's just, you know, somebody trying to, to call in other people who are going to join in with the chorus that it, it's problematic. The problem right now, the, the only problem right now with McGirt is you have quite a few uh, 
uh, people with uh, criminal records, quite a few Indians with criminal records, and their crime was committed within the reservation. So you've got quite a few of those people who are trying to uh, trying to change the jurisdiction of their crime, change the jurisdiction from uh, state jurisdiction to tribal jurisdiction or to federal jurisdiction. And that, that's a lot that's going on right now. And it, it's a lot for the tribes, it's a lot for the feds uh, to deal with it, but, but they're, they're figuring it out. They're, they're figuring it out and they're getting it taken care of. And that huge waterfall of those cases will, will start to subside. And the, the federal government, the federal prosecutors, the state prosecutors, It'll, it'll all, you know, start working the way that it's supposed to. But, you know, you have to give it time with like any, any, any sort of uh, really big sea change and what's, what's going on within a, within a process. Okay. And, and I just want to, I want to make it clear just because we talked about this and, and I know you and I talked about it this a thousand times, but, but for our listeners and for our podcast subscribers, why do I, as a native, want my cases to be heard in federal or tribal court? The reason why you want your case to be heard, especially in tribal court, is if you are an offender, uh, there, there's probably a really good possibility that there's some underlying issue that is causing you to be an offender. Now, there, there are some offenders that you know, they're just hardcore and nothing's going to change yeah. with them. But you know, most offenders, they've got some sort of underlying issue, whether it's a substance abuse issue, whether it's a, a a, uh, mental health issue that's going on and the tribes have a tremendous number of resources that they can access when they are trying to assist somebody who is in the criminal justice system. Uh, most tribes have the desire to want to help their tribal members who are going through the criminal justice system through their tribe. They want to provide services to them. They want their citizens to be good productive citizens of the nation. So uh, the tribes, they have these amazing substance abuse programs. They have uh, re-entry programs where they can uh, assist offenders who uh, need to get jobs. They can help with housing. Uh, there, there's just uh, a, a number of services that the tribes can provide to their, to their members. Now, um, you know, moving into the federal system, uh, the, the cases that went up to the Supreme Court, the reason why those offenders were trying to uh, have their, have the jurisdiction changed from state to federal is they were trying to avoid death penalties. So uh, with major crimes, um, you know, an offender may want to move it from state to fed because they think that their um the the punishment may be different than it would be within the state so that that's where um some criminals might some offenders might want to might want to change that you know one of the things uh offenders who are trying to make motions to the state court to try to change jurisdiction from state to feds. Um, they, they've got to be careful with that because 
you could have an offender who's had state charges, they've served uh, a, an amount of time and they're nearing the end of their sentence with the state. If they transfer that case to the federal court, they could wind up with uh, uh, more time that needs to be served. So that's one of the things that um, if, if a person is looking to use the McGirt ruling as an opportunity to get out of state incarceration and move into federal incarceration, they need to make sure they have a good attorney who's going to look at what what the possibilities are if they uh, transfer jurisdiction. Yeah, especially since like federal cases, you have to serve like more of your time in federal cases. It's a higher percentage that an offender has to serve too. So yeah, it's yeah. not like, hey, you're out early for good behavior. The feds don't do it that way. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Within, within the state, you got, you know, you've got some uh, leeway and you can negotiate with those uh, district attorneys in the in the state courts, whereas you get up and with a federal prosecutor and in front of a federal judge, they're all like, "So, <laughs> where's my book? I know my book. <laughs> my, at book you. Right, my book says that uh, <laughs> for that crime, you're going to go away for ten years, and there's no uh, wiggle room." see in 10 years <laughs> Jeez, and i'm gonna throw this book at you <laughs> throw, that, throw the book at you that's exactly where it comes from <laughs> and so uh, but but it's so it's like i said all of these issues all of these issues all come and play into one giant king rat for natives yeah. in in that entire legal realm yeah. And so with the last couple of minutes, I want to talk about how do we as natives um, really kind of start to, to navigate that? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. do we how do where do we start basically on 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 that road to recovery with all of this? Yeah, I, I think that the the tribes really need to make sure that they're doing really good education. Uh, I, I think that the the five tribes have been trying really hard to educate their tribal members about what McGirt is. When you uh, look at their social media, when you look at their web pages, you can find uh, information about McGirt, and it, it tries to explain a really complicated issue, <laughs> jurisdiction. You know. I never even heard or really quite understood the concept of what jurisdiction was until I went to law school <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, just trying to understand what, what jurisdiction is and being able to explain it in, in a layman's terms, that, that's kind of difficult. And it is really easy to see how there's a lot of misconceptions about um, oh, well, the whole eastern half of Oklahoma, it's Indian land now. So does that mean that I'm, you know, uh, you know, going to have to pay taxes to the Indians? Does that Please. mean that the Indians are going to come and, and uh, you know, boot me off my property? Does, you know, does that mean I, does that mean that I have to get an Indian tag now? <laughs> <laughs> So 
so like you're so, not ending you are ending <laughs> But, it's, but, but those are the kinds of those are the kinds of crazy things yeah I know you've heard a thousand crazy things like that and 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 I just even just at these couple of events when we were way down yonder in the beautiful Choctaw Nation there were a oh, lot yeah. of their citizens there were a lot of their citizens who who had locals like locals in these small rural Oklahoma areas terrified that the Indians are going to come back and, and take all that yeah. and and our Indians aren't even though there are that that resource I mean we don't understand jurisdiction we don't understand what all that really means yeah. and so it's like I I don't know if that means I get to come in and take your land or take your car or you know whatever I you know that's and so <laughs> exactly and so like like just go and just I, that would be fun though that would be fun I want somebody to go and just like get a tent or a teepee oh somebody get a teepee and go put it up just as some random white person's house please like just please <laughs> we know attorneys <laughs> we know attorneys who would probably take your case <laughs> That's that's the fear of people <laughs> who are listening to the bad actors who want to stir up fear. They're, they're afraid some Indian is going to walk up and, and just go, this is my land now, this is my reservation. They, they worry about that. And it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But it's not. And you know what's worse? That. What's worse is that like Channel 9, News 9, KWTV in Oklahoma City. Oh, they are the they are one of the worst actors because just their little crawler alone about, well, this was a violent crime. And because of McGirt, we had to let him go. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. You think like every night they were doing they were doing a it it wasn't even a story. I was getting mad at kelly ogle every night i stopped watching the channel i can't watch him i can't i can't watch any of the ogles sorry i can't watch any of them because Uh, but 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 it's because of that they would have this announcement of oh today uh in this case uh this this criminal uh was able to transfer their case or get their case dismissed because of the mcgirt ruling and now on to the weather It's like, and and what you hear is, oh God, there's a criminal on the loose in my community and nobody's doing anything about it. And they never followed up with what the next step was. The next step was, was that the federal, the federal uh, FBI agents were there to take that person into custody and they were taking them into custody so that they can be charged in federal court there was never that next step in the story or there was never a follow-up in the story about you know what what's the next sovereign that's going to prosecute him it was it was just oh they were let go and that's it and it's not true it's not i mean it's not true they weren't let go they weren't let go (laughs) and and most and these and and (laughs) i think that's something that we need to really bring home is that is that this is this is just a different uh like you say a different sovereign prosecuting these cases Mm -hmm. yeah and so it's just it's like i said nobody nobody gets off scot-free y'all think indians are gonna get off scot-free here in oklahoma no (laughs) no (laughs) 
somebody is going to come prosecute them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the feds will make sure of it, y'all. It's still the federal government against Indians. Of Indian offenders who are being let free and scot free. That is not happening in Oklahoma. <laughs> no. And we are going to leave it right there to put everyone's mind at ease about that portion of McGirt. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of Ask a Lawyer. Don't forget, if you've missed any of our past episodes, you can catch up with those wherever you get your podcast. And also, don't forget, we're going to be in the beautiful Quapaw Nation on July 1st. And uh, we're going to be all over Indian country this summer. So make sure that if you need any kind of legal services, call OILS at 800-658-1497. See, I was just, I was, I was harassing your staff for writing it down wrong the other day and I said it wrong. So there you go. 800-658-1497. And um, if you call them first, that means that they're going to make sure that they have the staff there to, mm -hmm. to handle your issues. So it's always better to have an appointment. That way, you know that your attorney has the time set aside to, uh, to, to help you handle, handle whatever issues you have. So exactly. thank you again to Oklahoma Indian Legal Services Executive Director, Stephanie Hudson. I'm Kelly J. Lewis. We'll catch you back here next week. Have a great day.